For our Bible reading this morning, let's turn to John's Gospel, chapter 17. I'd like to read the entire chapter. John 17, beginning in verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And, I, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture may be fulfilled. And now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they know not, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. They all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, 
I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Our, our Lord's high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. Let us pray. Our Father, our God, we wait before Thee this morning. We come before Thee as a poor and helpless soul, knowing that we cannot say one word without Thee this morning. We cannot move our own hearts to Thee, Thou must come in Thy love to us as we trust Thee to move our hearts toward thee and warm our hearts and give us what is needful for our souls this morning. Each and every one of us need thee as we've come to worship and call upon thy holy name. We pray that thou wilt teach us by thy Holy Spirit out of thy word. Write thy word upon our heart that we may not be able to get away from it. And we do pray for that grace we may be able to walk in the light of thy word. That we'll be not only hearers of the word, but doers also, as we walk day by day, moment by moment. We thank you for keeping us this past week. We thank you for all the blessings you've bestowed upon us, for health and for strength, for what you have given us to eat, what you've given us to wear, the bed you let us sleep and the house you let us live in. All of this comes from thee. And to see the beauty of thy creation and to behold thy glory in all that thou hast prepared for us in the physical realm, we thank you and praise you for it. How beautiful, my Father, is thy creation because thou didst create it for thine own pleasure. Thou dost get great pleasure in all that Thou hast created. We thank You for it. And especially does Thou get praise and thanksgiving and glory from those in whose hearts Thou hast worked the new creation by the Holy Spirit. Those in whose hearts Thou hast worked and they've been changed from darkness into light. have been brought out... <clears throat> of Satan's stronghold and the power of sin broken. And their souls have been set free from the captivity of Satan and sin and have been brought into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. How we praise thee for thy great salvation which thou hast bestowed upon us. We thank you for all the needs that you have met this past week for all the material that's gone out of this place, our Father, the hearts that you're dealing with, the places the material is going, and we just praise you and thank you for it. Use it all for thy glory 
and the edifying of thy people, the sanctification of thy people, and our Father in the in the bringing of many souls into thy kingdom. And so we wait before thee this morning. Have mercy upon each and every one, each father and mother, each husband and wife, each young person and child. Our Lord, we pray that you will be with us in our homes because thou art truly there as the listener of every conversation. Thou knowest what goes on and we pray, our Father, that our homes will be little Bethels, places where Thou art dwelling with us, and our hearts are taken up with Thee, and our souls go out after Thee. We pray that You'll encourage our souls this morning with Thy Word. Write it upon our heart. We'll not be able to get away from it. Is our prayer in Christ's name and for His sake. Amen. been reading through the New Testament and was in the God first I was in first John this early part of the week and I noticed how many times the expression eternal life was used and I began to go back over them and meditate upon them and believe that's what God he kept pressing day after day that that's what he wanted me to speak upon this morning eternal life knowing God in Christ and don't you know, late Thursday afternoon, Brother Stephen came over to the house and over the office and had some questions, and one of them was, don't you think it would be good if we put two new courses in, very short courses for the, for the school? And he said, I brought these booklets, and I said, well, which one have you picked out that you should use? And one of them was mine on eternal life from John 17. That confirmed me that I should speak upon eternal life this morning. I never will forget when I, I brought these messages. I preached through John 17 about three times. And this series of messages on the radio was a blessing to my soul. And when I went through it last time in Litchfield, the whole chapter was a blessing. It's always been a blessing to my heart the high priestly prayer of my Lord. But I want to look particularly at the verse, first three verses this morning and <clears throat> bring in all the rest of the scriptures bearing on the truth that God gives to his people eternal life. Beloved, I've said it before and I'll say it again this morning, the greatest thing in all the world is to know Christ. To walk with him, to trust him, looking to him to have mercy upon us and to lead us and guide us by his spirit. Let's read the first three verses again of John 17. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I want us to understand this morning 
by the grace of God, the, that the very purpose for which the eternal Son of God was sent to this earth, the very purpose for which God sent him into the world, so that as mediator he might give eternal life to as many as the Father had given him an electing love. And this is brought out in so many places throughout the scriptures. So many familiar to all of us. In John's Gospel, chapter 10, he says in verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. He talked of eternal life there. He had already given it to many. And in his high priestly prayer, he thanked the Father as the Father had given him power and had sent him as the mediator to give eternal life to as many as the Father had given to him in electing love and explains to us what eternal life is, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And in our Lord's words to Nicodemus, in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, and he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. And then when he was speaking to Martha in John 11, these are the words that he spoke to her, and this is what he said. <clears throat> I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. That is, he shall never die the second death. And then in John 6, verse 27, he comes out again with this when he says, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give to, unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. And what was the purpose of God the Father sealing the Holy sealing the Son and sending him that he might give eternal life to as many as the Father had given to him in eternal electing love. I praise God for this, that he tells us that he came for that purpose, to give us this life, and he might give it to us more abundantly, and for the reason that we might know, we might have the knowledge of, we might have the revelation of, we might have God given to us who the only true and living God is, and who Jesus Christ, the Son of God, whom he sent, is. We might know the only true and living God as he has manifested to us and revealed to us in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only place, beloved, that we can get this knowledge of the Father, the only place that <clears throat> we can get this knowledge of the Son whom he sent is in the Holy Scriptures. Only the Bible speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ coming and for what purpose he came, and that is that he might give eternal life 
and this life is in his Son, and I praise him for it. John 20 and 31 says, These things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. He might, we might have that life, eternal life, that abundant life that he gives to those who trust him and know him. And then there's nothing any plainer than what he tells us. And this is what struck me when I was reading through the book of 1 John. There's nothing more in <clears throat> plain and instructive than the words we find in 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13. First John chapter 5 and verse 11. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. And he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name <coughs> of the Son of God, that you might know you have eternal life, and that you might believe on the name of the Son of God. In other words, this is something God gives to us by His grace. This is something that we, He wants us to have the assurance of, that we have this life. For how could this life be dwelling in us and we not know it? How could this life be in us and we not walk in the light of that, the Scriptures? So the Holy Scriptures then declare that eternal life consists in knowing. Listen to me now. The Holy Scriptures, if you read them and meditate upon them, they declare that eternal life consist in knowing, living on, having communion with and enjoying endless satisfaction in the living God. Beloved, let that sink in. And re remember what the Lord Jesus said. Father, I thank the, you, the, that you have given me power over all flesh, that I should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given me. And this is life eternal. What, it, what is life eternal? That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. In other words, the Scriptures declare unto us then that the life of God in the soul is something that is living. It is something to enjoy. It is something that brings us satisfaction and joy. It is something that causes our hearts to go out to the triune God, to the one mediator, even Jesus Christ himself. It is something that he gives to us <clears throat> that causes us to live in the realm of the Spirit and to live in the realm of of satisfaction in knowing him because he has set down the bread of life to feed us. And the Lord Jesus said in John 6, he said, Have not I given you my body and my blood? 
For he that eateth not my flesh and drinketh not my blood has no part in me. So he's given us his very life that we might have part in him. And this part that we have in him is the knowledge that God gives us. We can walk day by day. Beloved, I want you to listen this morning. I hope I can bring it out. God given me grace by his spirit for he's laid upon my heart. I hope I can bring it out this morning that this life eternal that God gives us, eternal life, everlasting life, is a living life in us. It is God living in us. God who comes in in the new birth and takes up his abode in us and he sends his Holy Spirit to give us knowledge of himself. That's the reason the Lord Jesus Christ came, that we might daily walk and live in the realm of the knowledge of the living God. Beloved, you talk about something that changes us. You talk about something that gives us a new life is that new creation that God gives us when Christ comes in. For he tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So this life that God gives us in salvation, this eternal life that is in, that is in his Son, Jesus Christ, makes us a new creation. Well, how could you be made a son of God, a son of the living God? How could you have the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, living in you? Well, he does come to take up his abode in us when he saves us and regenerates us. How could we have this new life and it not be expressed? God doesn't leave us dead men when he saves us. He gives us expression of the truth of what he's done for us. He gives us that expression that we must speak. Just as a little babe, when he comes into the world, the first thing that it does is cry. And it keeps on crying. Then he, he causes, when we are born into his kingdom, then he, he causes us to cry. And why do we cry? For there's life in us, spiritual life, eternal life that God gives us when he, when he saves us by his marvelous grace. And I want you to listen as I read to you one of the most astounding truths in the Word of God. I want you to turn with me and see it in your Bible. It's Second Peter chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4. I want you to see one of the most astounding verses of scriptures in the Word of God. May this truth sink down deep into our souls this morning, and we rejoice in it. Listen what the apostle has to say under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How? through the knowledge of God 
and of Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, knowing, knowing God, having the knowledge of the living God and Jesus Christ whom it sent, that is eternal life. So we have grace and peace. It's multiplied unto us through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. According, watch it, as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. And how, they, how do they pertain unto us? Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. It is the knowledge of the living God that is worked in our hearts by the Holy Spirit as eternal life is given unto us. Verse 4, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises that, that, that by these ye might be partakers of what? Listen to the most astounding words in Scripture. Listen to them. Whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You see, there's knowledge again. You, you might be partakers of the divine nature. What is he saying? That when he saves us and we have this eternal life, then it's the very life of God that flows in our spirit in our, whole, in, in our being, and therefore we have the divine nature of God along with that new heart and new, new spirit that he gives us, we have a new nature. And how do we come about this new nature as God revealed the word by the Holy Spirit reveals unto us the knowledge of God in Jesus Christ our Lord? Watch it as we go over again. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us unto his glory whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So he comes and reveals himself unto us then, and gives us this knowledge of himself, And beloved, where does that lead us to? If God dwells within us, and we have the knowledge of the living God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent, and he has given us these exceeding great and precious promises that by these we might have life and godliness, where does all of this lead to? It leads, my beloved, 
to holy living. It leads to a desire to be like him. If we know him and we see his beauty and his glory as revealed unto us in the Lord Jesus Christ, then there is that desire. It's imparted to us. The very image of God is stamped upon our souls, and therefore we desire a life of holiness. We desire to live like him. We want to be like him. Now, I use the expression, the image of Christ has <clears throat> been stamped upon our hearts. Let me show you from Scripture that that's true. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What does he do? When he saves us, he gives us the knowledge of Christ. He gives us the knowledge of God. And as it were... He photographs upon our heart his own image. It's just, like a, it's just like a camera. A camera, what happens when you focus it and, it's, and you've got your picture in focus and you snap it. In that moment when that, lid, that thing goes up and comes back down again, when that image is exposed for that split second, it's put upon a film. And when it's developed, you see the exact image of the individual whom you were photographing. And so when the light comes into our souls by the grace of God, and God gives us eternal life in Christ when we believe, it is, it is as if the image of Christ is photographed or put upon our hearts, and the knowledge of God is given to us, and we come to praise him and to thank him and I tell you what it leads to. I can't help but tell you this week after week. It leads to a life of holiness. You desire to be like him, for you do not want to mar the image that he's impressed upon your heart. The living God you're walking with. Therefore, because we have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, by the grace of God, what else does it do for us? It makes us hate sin. It makes us hate sin. We don't want it. We want holiness. He brings us to hate every evil way. We now long to be holy and pure and clean and spotless as our blessed Lord is. Beloved, is that your desire? Has God given you eternal life? the salvation that's in him, then it is a blessedness that our sin debt has been fulfilled and Christ has been photographed, as it were, upon our hearts, for we know him, and our desires have changed. And our desires now are like his desires. Our motives are his motives, or his motives are now our motives, and we desire to be like him. And therefore, with this gift of eternal life, something else God does when he saves us. 
and gives us the eternal life. And this is one of the most, another most precious thing in the Word of God. The gift of eternal life brings us into union with God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we become bone of His bone and flesh of His flesh. As He became bone of our flesh, bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh when He took upon Himself our physical body when He became a man. So in the spiritual, when Christ is formed in us, we become bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. And so we can, so I can say by the grace of God this morning that through faith and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I have been brought into a union. It's an indissolvable union with the Lord Jesus Christ. A union that is so blessed that the Father now looks at me as he looks upon his only son. He's brought me into his family as an adult child of God, and he deals with me as he deals with the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves me as he loves the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what the life of eternal life is all about. You see, the implications of this are marvelous. I love to meditate upon them. The implications of this great truth of being united to Christ in this everlasting union of eternal life is that we've been reconciled unto God. Look at Colossians chapter 1. He tells us in verse 21 and 22 these words, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under, under, under heaven. In other words, what has he done? He has brought us and reconciled us unto himself. And he's made that mind which was taken up with nothing but wicked works. He's taken and given us a new heart and a new nature. And he's turned, he's turned us from aliens into a child of the living God. He's turned us from being an enemy of God to being reconciled to God. He has turned us from a mind of wicked works into a mind now that desires holy works. And our Lord Jesus Christ gave his flesh, his body, that through his death, verse 22 of Colossians 1, by the shedding of his blood, he might present me and you here this morning that know him, he might present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. So I ask these questions, and I've got eight of them listed here. Which one have you meditated upon? I ask, 
Does Christ stand holy before God? Does Christ stand holy before God? Then I can say by the grace of God this morning with eternal life working in me, then I stand in the, in the same position, holy before God. Does Christ stand unblameable before God? Then I stand in the same position in Him, unblameable. Think about these things. Again, does Christ stand unreprovable before God? with no sin laid to his account because he perfectly satisfied the law and the justice of God in the shedding of his precious blood? When he died upon the cross and shed that blood, did he satisfy the law and satisfy the justice of God? Yes, he did. That's what the scriptures teach. Then I stand by the grace of God in the same position as him. Dead to the law, and his condemnation, dead to the justice of God because it fell upon Christ. And now God looks upon me only in Christ and deals with me on the basis that he deals with his only Son. Well, you say, can you back all this up? Sure. I read it to you in John 17. Did you catch it? O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and thou in me. He loves me as much as he loves Christ. And then he prays, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. What am I trying to say this morning? I'm trying to tell you about the life of God in the soul. And that expression's been with me. It's just been repeating over and over in my heart and mind. The life of God in the soul. And what is the life of God in the soul? It's this eternal life, knowing God, knowing His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and being indwelt by the Spirit of God. And they ask some more questions. Is Christ the Father's beloved Son, in whom He is well pleased? The voice from heaven said in Matthew 3:17, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Then I can say, by the grace of God, then I am. For God with the Father himself made me accepted in the Beloved. Amen. Ephesians 1.6. He said, that's presumption to think along that line. Beloved, I don't believe it's presumption. I believe it's faith in the living God that he's given us. He said that I have been accepted in the Beloved, accepted in Christ. Then if I've been accepted in the Beloved, then should I not make it the business of my life 
to be like the one in whom I'm accepted? Shall I, like, shall I not desire to have the same image, the same desires, the same thoughts, the same motives that my living God has? Shall I not desire to live as he would desire me to live, and that is holy <coughs> down here upon this earth? <coughs> Again, <coughs> Does Christ live in peace, in a state of tranquility before God this morning? And beloved, I love to think along this line. That my, that my, that my head, my Savior, my High Priest, my Mediator, call Him what you want. He has all kinds of names. He has all kinds of offices. He sits there this morning in a state of perfect tranquility. In other words, nothing disturbs him. Nothing disturbs him. Well, I read it. So from all of this, I would gather from the scriptures that eternal life is lived and, 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 and sustained and enjoyed by us now. Think on these things and you will understand. Think on these things and rejoice that even now we can walk in the knowledge of sins forgiven. We can walk in the knowledge of a child of the heavenly king. I can walk in the knowledge that he gives us victory day by day over sin, self, and the world. And that sin shall not reign over me. For I'm not under the law of condemnation anymore. I'm under grace. And grace has made the difference. The great grace of God has made that difference. That I can say, I can answer these questions that I asked this morning in the positive. Because of what God has done for me. And by faith we can walk with the sustained daily. We can enjoy these things now. We can appropriate all of this now by the grace of God through faith. As we live this life, we have this eternal life now. And that's what he says in John 6, 47. He, says, he, he tells us these words in John 6, 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath, present tense, that's now, he hath everlasting life, or he has eternal life now, living in the soul. And for that we can praise the Lord. And therefore, he has given unto us the Lord Jesus Christ, for all the promises of God in Christ are yes, and they are amen. And as we apply these promises day by day, our hearts are made glad as we look to him because the promises give us, show us the life that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. The promises of God enables us to walk in a way that pleases him. We have the promises to plead, the word of God to plead, and therefore faith can lay hold of them. And that brings us to 
that word faith. Faith in Christ. Faith in Christ and eternal life. For the scriptures speak much of these two things as they are joined together. I want to show you how many ways that faith and eternal life are joined together in the scriptures. We ask, what is faith? Faith is the heaven-born faculty in the soul given to us by the Holy Spirit. It is the means by which we see. Faith is the means by which we we see God. Faith is a means by which we hear the voice of God from His Word. Faith is the means by which we taste of the Lord that He is gracious. It is by faith that we receive all from God. It is by faith that we know and enjoy the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father who sent him. And all of these scriptures teach us that faith and eternal life are joined together. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Now I want you to hear what we say in these last minutes. There is no possessing eternal life. There's no possessing eternal life apart from faith. We must believe Him. We must trust Him. We must believe in Christ. We must trust in Christ. We must go outside of ourselves to the life giver Himself, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, to receive this life, for He's the one that gives it to us. For the Scriptures speak of no instrumental means other than faith whereby we can be saved and enjoy this eternal life here upon the earth. You could cut me to pieces this morning and you would not find Christ in my physical body. But I know he lives there by spirit. The only way that I can show to you Christ lives within is to live his life. Let him live his life in me. A life of holiness. A life of walking with him. A life of communication with him day by day. That's the only way. And how do I know that he lives within me? It is because I believe the word of God. And that the word of God is true. And that it was forever settled in heaven. And that this word applies to my heart. The state of Minnesota last year elected a governor who was an ex-wrestler. Knew nothing about politics and only the providence of God. You'll ever expect a man like that to get in, get into governorship. He just speaks off the top of his head anytime he wants to. And he had a thing with the reporters the other day. You know what he said? Did you read it? He said that all Christians are just nitwits, fools. 
They're just always having to depend upon that crutch of religion and Christianity. They, 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 they are just helpless within themselves, so they need a crutch. And that crutch, they lean on. He didn't know how much truth he was telling. I need Christ. I am a helpless soul. I will admit it to him and everybody else in the whole wide world. But that's his conception, you see, of, of Christianity, of Christ. That it's just for, for, for children and old women and that uh, a man's a fool to live that way. And, of course, the whole state got up in arms about him, but that uh, don't do no good. He's going to stay in there four years. But how do I know? By faith. I came to this pulpit by faith this morning because I knew that I could not Take one of these words home to your heart or to mine. I had to depend upon the living God to do this. You see, I come to a portion like our Lord talking to Nicodemus in John 3. And he says in verses 14 and 15, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, that was put there for me to believe. God wants me to believe it. He desires for me to believe it. That he's given unto me. When he saved me, he gave me eternal life. He put the witness within me that I have eternal life. And the Holy Spirit witnesses within me that I have eternal life. That's the grace of God. I praise God for that. That's what he tells us in Romans chapter 8. He said, The Holy Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of the living God. Beloved, he does not only do that for me, but for every soul he saves, he puts that witness within them who is the Holy Spirit, that they are children of the living God. He gives them that faith, not of themselves. For as Paul tells us in Galatians 2.20, I was crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live, how? By the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that faith was a gift then, as he tells us in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Both the, gra both the grace and the faith are a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He gives us these things. How do we know? Faith is in us. And faith makes these things real to us. And therefore, we believe that he has done this for us. And we walk in the light of it. And so, when I come to John 5, 24, I look at it, and I believe that it's true. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, present tense, 
and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. We've walked out of the past of the death of the old man into the new life which is in the Lord Jesus Christ forever and forever. He's done this. Why? Because he is the resurrection and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by him. That's what he told Martha. I read it to you before. Let me read it to you again. Jesus said unto Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. That is, he shall never die the second death in hell. Believest thou this? And she said, Yea, Lord. How many of you this morning believe that? That you've passed from death unto life. And that Christ lives in you as your hope of glory. And the second death shall do you no harm because you are in Christ. You possess that life that's in Christ. In other words, you're a Christian. You have Christ. In the full meaning of that word Christian, you have him. Isn't it precious? Then we see from Scripture that those who do trust in and believe on the Son of God with saving faith, they receive this eternal life, as I've been telling you now, for eternal life is spoken of as being a present possession of those that come to know him. And then again, the man who possesses this saving faith and eternal life in Christ knows it. Reason, let me reason with you a while now. For it is not for it is not likely can't be that life could come into a man's soul and him remain ignorant of his existence. Could I ever, could I ever forget that night, a Friday night, it was August the 21st, 1942, I walked out of the back room of Balanced Baptist Church in New Orleans, and down the aisle comes the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen in all my life. In a few little minutes, she was to be my wife. I didn't marry her by proxy. I was there. I knew it. And beloved, Christ comes in. We might have a long time getting established. But where there's life, there's going to be a cry after God. Amen. Let's go back to the baby again. What is it the first time? What is the first thing that a doctor looks for when the baby's born? What does he listen for? He listens for the cry. Why? You know, it was life then. I've told you the story before. Let me tell you again. It's a good illustration this morning. I've got a friend that was a nurse. And <clears throat> she worked in the delivery room at the hospital. 
And when her first grandchild was born, she asked the doctor, could she be in on that? He said, only if you stand back and don't open your mouth. So the baby was born, and she watched the clock. Five seconds, 10 seconds, 15 seconds, 20 seconds, no cry. She had to put her hand over her mouth because she knew it wasn't long like this. The little one would be dead. At 25 seconds, he paddled him on his rear end and he cried. And everybody was happy. Why? Life. And beloved, when God saves us, we can't keep our mouths shut. We've got to cry after him. He's our life. He is our life. We've got to cry after him. And how am I going to, how is that life going to be sustained? That life is going to be sustained as I feed upon his flesh and his blood as as I feed upon the written word, I am feeding upon the living word, the living God, and therefore he sustains me, and this is my daily food. And beloved, as we get our daily food and nourishments and vitamins and all that comes that needs to keep us going spiritually, as we get out of the food to keep us going physically, then our hearts continue to cry after him. We cry after him to make Christ real to our hearts, to lead us, to guide us. We want to be cleansed from every thought. Here I am last night and again this morning writing notes down, and thoughts began to come into my mind against certain situations and and I had to cry. I'd stop and cry. I said, Lord, I don't want these things. I want to be able to go there with a pure heart and a pure mind this morning. So I made a hymn. We cry. And guess what? We'll keep crying till we die. In my reading this week somewhere, I was reading something I was proofreading. I don't know which one it was. I do so much of it. Uh, telling the story of this man who was ready to die. The last few days before he died. They could not get that man to say word one. wife would lean over and says, Honey, do you know Jesus? A smile came on his face. I love him, he says. Bring you another word out of him. But every time they would ask him, mention the name of Jesus, there was that smile on his face. Why? He had life in him. That life came from the Lord Jesus Christ. So he, so he remembered him. And I'll, I will remember.
And I know that's true. My niece went to see my sister back in, <clears throat> in Easter time. And everybody went to church, and she stayed home with her mother who has Alzheimer's. Can't hardly hear or see or do anything or remember anything under the sun. And my niece told me I didn't know how to communicate with her. And she said, I remembered one little song from my Sunday school days. And I began to sing that. And her face lit up. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are meek, but he is strong. She's in her face lit up. That's all she knew. That's all she could remember. In that darkness of her mind of Alzheimer's. But she did remember the name of Jesus. You know why? He's our life. He's our life. He is our hope. So we come to him and walk with him. And then we praise God that this, this, has, this has come to us by the grace of God. And I'm going to close with this last point I got here. The scriptures plainly teach that grace, free sovereign grace, is the source of this faith and eternal life in Christ. It is, it, grace is God's love in action. Come to us freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Grace means that I don't deserve it, but I have received it from the hand of my blessed Lord. Out of his love and his good pleasure, he gave it to me as a gift. The scripture tells us in Romans 11:5 that grace is the source of our election, the election according to grace. In Galatians 1.15, grace is the source of our effectual calling to Christ. Paul said when, when, when he called me by, by his Spirit to come to the Son, that effectual call was of grace. And then grace is the source of our faith. The believers at Achaia in Acts 18.27, they believed. Through grace. All of it comes from the grace of God. Grace is the source of our repentance. It tells us in Acts 11, 18, And unto the Gentiles he has granted, that's grace, the gift of repentance. And then our justification is of grace, as he tells us in Titus 3, 7, that we are justified by the grace of God. So when we come put it all down, it is this. The whole salvation that God gives comes to us freely. And let me read it to you out of Acts 15, 11. We believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved. We believe that. Everything's of grace, free, sovereign grace from the living God. And then Ephesians, those precious words in chapter 2, where he tells us in verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. 
It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So I say this morning that grace is the outpouring of God's love toward us. And this is what God has done. Do you praise him for this? I should be in the lake of fire this morning. But because of the grace of God, I'm on the road to heaven. I know what I am. I'm an ill-deserving, undeserving, ill-deserving sinner. That's all. Don't say what else I am. By the grace of God, I'm a child of the living King. Amen. He has done this, given the faith to lay hold of Him. And so grace brings us to the one true and living God. And as 1 John 5.20 tells us, He is the true God and eternal life. you know Him? Now there's one other part of this that I didn't even touch on this morning. But I knew I wasn't going to have time to do it. I couldn't get it all in. The Lord willing, I'd like to bring it to you next Lord's Day if God will do it. And that is, I would like to go through the attributes of God and show you how we know God. It's through his attributes. Would you pray? Because that part I, did, I, I didn't bring out this morning. And we may know him, the living God. How do we know the living God? He's, as he's revealed to us in the word from his glorious attributes. I ask you this morning, has anything God has said this morning, because I believe I brought his word, has any of it sunk in your heart? Are you rejoicing in him? Are you praising him for this eternal life? Has God given you this? If you haven't got it, then come to the only one who can give it. For Christ has been lifted up to give repentance and remission of sins. And how do we come to him? We come to him as we are, as poor sinners and nothing at all. But Jesus Christ is the one we need, we desire. If there are doubts and fears and unbelief, and you're not certain, God has not given you assurance. I would not rest until I knew him. I can say, he is mine, and I am here.